Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for calling King Jordan Radio for Thursday, August 7th, 2014. Tonight's special guest is a man by the name of Frank Taffy. As you recall, back in the uh, George Zimmerman case, he uh, was uh, he was there, and he was uh, his friend at the time. And now he's uh, he's taking back um, a lot of what he said. So uh, let's bring him on to the show. It's the debut. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Without further ado, Mr. Frank Taffy. Good evening, Frank. Welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Doing okay, King. First of all, let me uh, share this with you. I'm not taking back anything. I'm seeing it from a different angle today, a more humanistic angle instead of a uh, what I was deemed as a racist angle. So that's just a point of clarification. Absolutely. Uh, I do want you to hear this uh, juror who also feels uh, badly about what she said, and I want to get your take on the other side. It was a dramatic moment for America when the jury in the George Zimmerman trial finally delivered a verdict, not guilty, adding fuel to a fire of racial tensions flaring across the country. But what was it like for the jurors themselves? Tonight, one woman comes forward to tell us what happened on the other side of those closed doors. ABC's Robin Roberts sat down for an exclusive interview with a woman who felt the weight of the world on her shoulders. We, the jury, find George Zimmerman not guilty. The not guilty verdict that set George Zimmerman free in the shooting death of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin rattled the nation, with many Americans questioning the jury's decision and wanting to ask the jurors a very tough question. Some people have said, George Zimmerman got away with murder. How do you respond to those people who say that? George Zimmerman got away with murder. But you can't get away from God. Juror B29, Maddie, came forward today in an ABC News exclusive interview. She said it wasn't an easy decision. It's hard for me to sleep. It's hard for me to eat. You haven't asked for money. You haven't asked for a book deal. You haven't asked for anything other than a forum to be able to tell your story. Yeah. I don't need money. No money in this world could, could, could pay me to forget the pain that I'm going through. Trayvon Martin will always be in my heart. But she wanted to talk about the verdict, how the jury reached it, and about what she sees as perhaps a higher justice. At the end of the day, he's going to have a lot of questions and answers he has to deal with. The law couldn't prove it. We just have to 
to believe in the Lord that he's, if he's asked to pay, he, he will pay. Maddie says putting her emotions aside and only considering the law was not easy. I stand by the decision because of the law. If I stand by the decision because of my heart, he would have been guilty. A 36-year-old mother of eight who calls herself a black Hispanic was the only a minority on the jury. Since the verdict and the public backlash, she says she has been ridden with guilt. I feel that I was forcibly included in Trayvon Martin's death. The shooting death of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin brought the issue of race in America back to the forefront. After Zimmerman's acquittal, outrage ignited across the country. So how do you respond when you see people who are, are making this about race, who are saying, had Trayvon not been a young black man, that the conversation would be different? Is it true? That's a question that's to be asked. Even the president brought it up. There are very few African-American men in this country who haven't had the experience of being followed when they were shopping in a department store. That includes me. Just like Obama, I go to a lot of places and they get people to follow me sometimes. Trayvon Martin's parents' reaction to the verdict echoes the feelings of many Americans. I really didn't believe that uh, he was not guilty. While George Zimmerman has remained silent, his parents spoke to ABC News, offering an apology to Trayvon's family. We are deeply sorry for this tragedy. But for Trayvon Martin's parents, Sabrina Fulton and Tracy Martin, the fight for justice continues as they consider a civil suit. It's not just about the Trayvon Martin case. Now it's about your kids. It's about other kids. Two days after the verdict, another juror, B-37, spoke to Anderson Cooper on CNN. I think both were responsible for the situation they had gotten themselves into. I think both of them could have walked away. There were some things that the other juror said that, that you wanted to respond to. B-37 used the word we. I guess because we were in the jury together, mm -hmm. she put it all as in a group. And the way she made a lot of us sound was, we walk by color. And that's not what I do. And that was something that a lot of people from the outside thought must have been a discussion in the deliberations about, about race, about color, but that wasn't the case? It was not the case. In their first vote, B-37 told CNN three jurors wanted not guilty. One wanted murder, second degree, and two wanted manslaughter. What was your first vote? My first vote was second degree murder. How did you go from, in nine hours, from feeling he was guilty of second-degree murder to not guilty. In between the nine hours, it was hard. A lot of us that wanted to find something bad, something that we could connect to the law, because for myself, he's guilty. Because the evidence shows he's guilty. He's guilty of? Killing Trayvon Martin. But as the law was read to me, if you have no proof that he killed them intentionally, you can't find, you can't say he's guilty. What was going on in your mind, your heart? I was quit. a juror that was going to give him the hung jury. Oh, I was. I fought to the end. Do you have regrets that you didn't? Kind of. I mean, I'm the only minority, and I felt like I let a lot of people down. This polarizing case began in a gated community in Sanford, Florida. On February 26, 2012, 
Martin was walking back to a house where he and his father were staying. He caught the attention of the self-appointed neighborhood watch captain, George Zimmerman, who called police. This guy looks like he's up to no good or he's on drugs or something. They suggested he stay in his car. Are you following him? Yeah. Okay, we don't need you to do that. What happened next is in dispute, but there seems to be no question there was an altercation loud enough so that multiple neighbors called 911. At issue, who was the attacker? Oh, my God. It's someone to be shot. Yes, the person is dead, laying on the grass. Zimmerman fired one gunshot and killed Trayvon Martin. Those 911 calls were believed to be crucial pieces of evidence. Whose voice did you think it was on the 911 call? I have never really, really paid mind to whose voice it was. Because the evidence shows that people's voices change when you're in extreme motion. During the trial, the FBI's audio expert did testify that it is impossible to tell who was screaming for help. During their 16 hours of deliberations, the consideration of a possible manslaughter verdict weighed heavily on Maddie. When you all sent that note to the judge asking for an explanation on manslaughter, what was that about? What we were trying to figure out was manslaughter, in order to be charged we had to prove that when he left home, he said, I'm going to go kill Trayvon Martin. Her own lawyer, David Chico, says even legal experts would have been confused. And I've thought a lot about it, and I haven't really been able to come up with, a, mm -hmm. with really another charge. Except, I mean, I think manslaughter was a, a charge that could be put forth. Maddie says she had no idea that the world was watching so closely. Solidarity. After the jury was released, she says she crumbled as the negative news reports about their verdict erupted. I literally fell on my knees and I broke down. My husband was holding me. I was screaming and crying. And I kept saying to myself, I feel like I killed him. And I feel that if maybe if they would put the law and a lot of people would read it, they would understand the choices that they gave us. She says the choices she made she still stands by today. Where do we go from here? My hope is that we stop walking around looking at color. That also seemed the hope of the devastated parents of Trayvon Martin, who have been giving a kind of master class in forgiveness. We continue to pray that, um, you know, that we'll find peace and strength to, to be forgiven parents. What would, you, what would you like to say to Trayvon's parents? I would like to apologize because I feel like I let him down. I didn't know how much importance I was into this case because I never looked at color. And I still don't look at color. For Nightline, Robin Roberts, New York. Frank Taffy, when you hear that juror, what comes to mind? Yeah, she don't need to apologize. The state's the one that needs to apologize. That thing was set up to lose right from Jump Street. Let me just share that with you. Number two, I knew what the verdict was at 4 o'clock that afternoon before it was announced. And uh, I had a person tell me who uh, uh, is a huh, officer of the court, and I knew at 4 o'clock, and it's documented. I went on Harris Faulkner at 5 o'clock at Fox, and 7 o'clock on Jane Velez and 8 o'clock Nancy Grace. And I told the rest of the country what I felt, that it was 5 to 1 in favor of not guilty, as it was 
told to me. And uh, first of all, that's sham number one. That's travesty number one. The the main, the star issue is the state. Uh, you had an overzealous prosecutor, and you right. know, and the instructions were convoluted at the end. And furthermore, George was on patrol that night um, because he wasn't on his way to Target. He had no wallet on him. He was out looking for trouble, just like he did last week in Deland, Florida. He was patrolling a pawn shop. And uh, right. uh, the police asked him, you know, what are you doing around here? He said, I'm patrolling for this guy. The owner said, I don't know anything about this guy. Wow. So as it stands now, you have a whole new look at this than you did back uh, last summer. How did you go from defending him and being one of his biggest supporters to, you know, basically uh, totally opposite? Well, sincerely speaking, uh, I'm not trying to... uh, First of all, people labeled me on your Facebook post that I'm a media whore. There's a big difference. Whores get paid. I never got paid a dime, okay? Hey, at least paid attention. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm a a father uh, who buried two children in the last five years, 21 and 30. And most recently, I buried a brother, a younger brother. And uh, I had shared with him um, my feelings uh, on the case. And, you know, I was all in. You know, as my interview with the Department of Justice most recently uh, through my interviews and my attacks, mostly on African Americans, you know, I was. He said you were the spear that went into the heart. I said I was more like the poison on the tip of that spear. And I've gotten to a point that you know we're all human beings. You know, we all want to be loved, and you know what I did was wrong. Okay, and I admit that I'm a bigger man for it, and I made my peace with God, and. You know, when you're all in, you're all in. But now I'm all out, and I'm here to share with your listeners that I'm not that same person, only by the grace of God. So, but you did know George. Was that a fact? And was he civil before all this stuff happened? Was he your average guy? Or was he blatantly a prejudiced person? Well, I can't go into great detail because there is still, let me just tell your listeners that um, the show ain't over yet, guys. Okay? The show ain't over. Um, <laughs> and I can't go into any more detail with you or uh, uh, you'll be a corroborating witness and you'll have to do my obstruction of justice jail time, too. Okay? Okay. Um when you were uh, on uh, these shows, um, in the beginning, did you feel that everybody was out to get George and maybe you felt bad in a sense? And, you know, well, like I knew him. Over... I, yeah, yeah, well, I knew him uh, because of both of us being on Neighborhood Watch, but more importantly, subconsciously, he was like the son that I lost. Okay, he was the same age. Oh, really? Yes. They were oh, both wow. the same age, and so did they know I, each I other? Kind of, 
No, it was he only knew he only found out about the death of my son afterwards, after he shot Trayvon, and then I lost a second son in that span of time, uh, one in 2008, another one in 2012, and uh, you know it was kind of like the white man versus the black man. Okay, and I was I'm from New York City originally. I came here in in Orlando. Oh, really? Yep. And, uh, what part? Let's just say the Bronx. Oh, okay. Right off of Tremont Avenue. Okay. okay. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, you know, I just <laughs> want to, you know, racism was definitely embedded here. Not only yeah. whites towards uh, African Americans, but, it, you know, African Americans towards the whites, too. You know, it, it works oh, both yeah. ways. And being a child of the 60s, you know, with RFK, and also with Martin Luther King Jr. and this whole movement towards um, uh, kind of parody and understanding the plight of the minorities in this country. Listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not well healed. My grandparents came from uh, Sicily, okay. And my grandfather, I got to share this with your listeners. My grandfather, when he came to this country in 1916. He was uh, discriminated against because of the color of his skin. He was a dark-skinned Sicilian with blue eyes, okay? And they used to call my grandfather, and he shared this with me. He went in the U.S. Army. He served in World War I, and he shared a story with me that the fellow uh, U.S. Army soldiers would call him the N-word, and he didn't fully understand what that was, so he, you know, he... He stayed here in this country uh, long after his service in uh, World War One, and he was discriminated against. So, I don't come from any blue blood, you know, Greenwich, Connecticut family. All right, you know, middle class, and you know, I was, you know, I grew up with a diverse background, a diverse cultural background, coming from the Bronx. And even up there, we were still segregated in the Bronx. You know, the Italians had their section. The Puerto Ricans stayed right. in their section. The Germans and the Irish were all pretty much, you know, mixed in there, which you find in a lot of neighborhoods up, up north. But down here in the south, it was completely different. You had the black area and you had the white area. And it was very uh, <laughs> evident that, this was real racism and segregation here in the South. Right. Right. And uh, you did mention uh, some of these people uh, leaving messages. I want to read a few, and I want you to get uh, a reaction. Uh, Christine uh, on Facebook writes, This man is nothing but a media whore trying to extend... Is 15 minutes. Your reaction? Uh, a lady on Dr. Drew said my 15 minutes turned into 15 months. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is all done ad hominem, okay? It was, you know, win one for Whitey, okay? That's what it was. And that's right. all I thought of. It wasn't uh, a young African-American teenager just doing what he wanted to do, you know, he wasn't bothering anybody. He was just 
hanging out in my front yard, and Zimmerman took it upon himself to want to be RoboCop and, you know, mete out the justice. If he had just let him go on his way, this this would never, this tragedy would never have happened. So if that was a white kid, this wouldn't have happened? Absolutely. Never would have happened. That kid was but that's just a, your uh, opinion. You don't. We, we, nobody was there except for, for them two, and we don't know. Uh, I, I know you know him, but I'm just saying. Yeah, isn't it possible opinion, that Trayvon could have started the fight? Uh, anything's possible. I wasn't present there, but I can tell you this, and I can't go into any more, okay? Because it's still an ongoing investigation. And I can tell you this, that um, Georgie Boy wouldn't have felt so tough if he wasn't carrying that piece with him, okay? You know, don't uh, make you feel real strong, okay? When you carry a gun, it makes you feel real yes. tough. That's a very good point. I mean, you, uh, you being in New, York, in New York, you know how tough they are uh, about guns. They threw uh, the uh, New York Jet and Giant, uh, formerly, in uh, jail for two years for just shooting himself, if you recall. Plaxico and a rapper Burris. just had... Yep. Ha- yep. Plaxico Burris, right. And uh, a rapper had it in his bag, Little Wayne, and he did half a year. So it's very interesting how New York takes it very seriously and Florida doesn't. Well, you know, you got Bernard Getz and then you had that other crackpot on the on the Long Island uh, Railroad, you know, just going down the aisle shooting people too. So, you know, it's all uh, it's all part of it. I mean, down here, you know, you can get a concealed weapons permit and there's only, you know, there's you can't carry it in a bank. You can't carry it into a football stadium. You know, there are certain places you can't bring it, but if you want to walk around your neighborhood and act like uh, Wyatt Earp, you can do that. And that's exactly what happened that night. Zimmerman thought he was uh, the new Wyatt Earp, and this was Tombstone. <laughs> no question about it. Uh, we do have some phone calls. Um, let's go to the phones. Uh King, before we take the calls, you know, I want people to realize there's no advantage in this for me other than the fact that I'm getting it right with, A, number one, my God, and number two, with the people that I hurt the most, the African Americans, through my vileness and my despicable racist comments. So if they want to, you know, if they want to gangbang me and do all kinds of other BS, I'm not going to have it. So we're going to establish the, the rules right up front. You know, if oh, you want no, to, I wouldn't let like this one. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, if you have a question, it's uh, let's go up to the area code. It's 520. Uh, please tell me where your name is and where you're calling from. You're online. 520. 520. You're loading. Okay, 520, you're on. Just going to listen to the show. Okay. Okay. So, uh, getting back to the uh, the Trayvon Martin uh, story. Uh, 
Uh, there was uh, more haters. I, I guess pe- a lot of people don't realize that you uh, that that you now feel you're now you're now saying something different. People, you know, I just found out uh, about a week ago when we set up this interview that uh, that uh, you had you, you changed your position. But that's okay. You know, that's okay because I'm getting you know. Uh, the people who want to hate me, that's cool, too. You know, a lot of people hated our Lord, too. You know, they persecuted him. You know, and that's I have right. a strong belief uh, in my Christian-based uh, religion today. And it's in, you know, it, it's in pardoning that we're pardoned. And in the Our Father says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if you embrace that, and pardon and be pardoned, everything's going to be okay. You know, you can carry that resentment towards me that I represent this, that, and everything else. But, you know, the bottom line is the state blew it, okay? I didn't blow it. The state did. Yes, the witnesses weren't They set that thing up to lose from the beginning. Yes. So you think maybe they did that trial just to make the uh, just to make the outpour of people uh, going crazy uh, make them comfortable? It was to placate, in essence, in essence to placate. Uh, what did you think fashion? of George's? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you. What did you think of uh, George's attorneys, um, West? And uh, O'Mara. O'Mara and Mark O'Mara. I thought Don yeah. West did a heck of a job personally. I thought Mero, uh, he, Mark was okay. I thought they were both great actually, but Don West in particular really showed me some stuff. I thought he was very, you know, focused with the jury. I don't care. What you know, I thought? don't care about their turn. I don't care who they could have had. Uh, uh, Andy <laughs> Griffin. They could have had uh, Matlock. Defend them. That that case was set up to for the state to lose and the defense to win right from the beginning. Okay, Barney Fife could have represented Zimmerman, and they would have won. And you know, for the juror to say that she feels bad, she didn't. She was like the rest of the jurors. They didn't understand what the state was trying to present. Did they want second degree murder or they want manslaughter? They went after second degree because you had an overzealous prosecutor in Angela Corey that she just downplayed it, even culpable negligence, okay? Right. Why, why are you carrying a gun out there other than the fact that you're looking for trouble? You know what? I don't feel as strong. You know, I'm not a tough guy, okay? And I don't feel as tough if I'm sitting in my car talking to the police than if I got a gun strapped, a heater strapped to my uh, belt, and I'm yeah. walking around with my hand on the trigger, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm wired up again. You know, here I'm going to look for the Clantons, okay, at the OK Corral. Well, the OK Corral was a retreat here at Twin Lakes, and Trayvon didn't have a chance. Uh, yes, that's. It did not seem, didn't smell right, the case. 
you know, there was a lot of aspects that just made you scratch your head, especially the uh, the examiner for the uh, for the state. Uh, he didn't seem to know what he he was doing. Unfortunately, the girl didn't didn't know what she was doing. So a lot of didn't, You're didn't talking put about the examiner and no, they weren't the medical examiner. They weren't. Yeah. Not, um, they were not appropriately coached. Okay, and that's the fault of the state. Right, right. But uh, George, uh, with all these other uh, incidents that he got into with guns, were you surprised when you first heard that he was pulled over? And then was at a gun shop, uh, taking a picture, and doing things like that. You know, he no. just got acquitted of something serious. Shouldn't you stay low key? You would think, right? But when you have yeah. that, when you, when you got that false sense of bravado, you know, when you're carrying a piece on you. Now everybody's a tough guy <laughs> with a with a thirty eight in their pocket. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's a tough guy. Uh, yes, it's very easy to be a tough guy with a uh, thirty-eight in your uh, pocket, but um, or a nine millimeter too. <laughs> right, right. The do you know? Like, uh, I mean, it, you're basically saying God changed you. Um, if Rudy, God changed you, in the re- in retrospect, you know, when I look at. I, being a father, lost two children, and equating that to the loss that Sabrina and Tracy had to encounter, you know, uh-huh. that's a that's a that's a hole in your soul that never gets filled. And to have someone like myself being on that other end, and you know, coming over to the truth and the light, you know, the truth shall set you free. And right. I've been freed. Do you know what was going on when you were siding with Mr. Zimmerman? Do you know why that happened? Why I took the position I did? Yes. Well, by that time I was all in. And like I said, I, I kind of felt like he was my surrogate child. Subconsciously, I was protecting him. Just like I would Did you feel bad that everybody was against him? It seemed like the world was against him? Yes. Yeah. Did you have a heart for him? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people would, would say, you know, that uh, maybe somebody saw the news and, you know, because you, you normalized George. You met, you You humanized him. You know, he was made into by the media a monster. Yeah, but wouldn't uh, any father do that for his son? Yes, I guess. You know, that's. Uh, You know, uh, but that's not my position today. I saw a life taken that shouldn't have been taken, all because of the callousness and the false sense of bravado that this individual had because he was carrying a weapon. That's the bottom line. Did uh, George ever thank you for everything you've done for him? 
I can't answer that. Okay. He's had family. He's had family members reach out to me and thank me. Yes. Have you ever spoken to? You, I guess you have. Um, his brother. Uh, can you tell us about him? Is he a good people? His mother seems to be a nice lady. His father. Do you know them too? No. Yes. So uh, you were all in, and so it's a it's a combination of, I guess you're. I said I saw her in the interview. You said, you know, you, you unfortunately your son passed away. I guess I've that two, triggered something. Yeah, I mean, and he died in August of 2012, like five months after Trayvon got shot. That was my second son. My first one died in 2008, and I'm like, oh you know, this, you know, this ain't oh, right. Wow. You know, and when I saw, I got to tell you something. I saw Tracy Martin in the courtroom, and when I see mm-hmm. his face, the, the the grief that's in his face, I see it in mine. I know that his father loved him very much, and it, it just showed on his face. I saw that. In him, he misses his son just like I miss my sons. He misses his boy. You know, no seventeen-year-old is you know is nominated to sainthood. He's just walking right. home to his old man's house in the Seven Eleven. Who cares if he was smoking twenty blunts and did whatever the <laughs> hell he was doing? It doesn't matter. Right. He should have just let they try you know, to take weed, right? George should have stuck with there's only two kinds of business in this world, okay? There's my business and then there's none of my business. It's just like this done guy, you know? Shut the fuck up. Who cares if the kids are playing the music? Roll up your window, turn your music, your redneck music up, and go go about your way. And Jordan Davis wouldn't have been shot. One that held the... Yeah, that loud music um, uh, trial. What was your thoughts yeah. on that? Was he guilty also? Listen, I, I take the position today that there was these are needless taking of human lives, black, white, brown, right. yellow, green, whatever it is. Mind your own right. effing business, okay? Nobody cares. You're not the judge and the jury as to what people should wear. If Trayvon wants to wear a hoodie, let him wear a hoodie. If the kid wanted to turn the music up, let him turn the music up. Get your stuff and get the hell out. You don't have to sit there and be the judge above the human being. When the hell were you self-appointed royalty, Mr. Michael Dunn, and also George? When the <laughs> hell did you become self-appointed royalty in this country? This place well, is like you the know, O.K. Think... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Another thing we were talking about... Uh... And I see you were uh, arguing with um, some of that pan- the panelists on Dr. Drew. Uh, Mr. Sterling uh, is lifetime banned from the Clippers for being taped, and uh, he has a lifetime ban now. What's your opinion on that? You think that's fair? Uh, I, well, my position today is this: you're talking about a, a guy, a human, be- a man who made. 
several billions of dollars, okay? If he wants to be banned from the NBA, he wants to fight this thing, this might be his, his last gasp in life that he made racial comments, racist comments, and he got caught saying them. And I want to tell you, he's not the only white man of his age in this country that has made racist comments. He's not alone. In this case, he was taped and he got caught. And I can guarantee you that there are many middle-aged or late-aged white men in this country that have used racist or racial epithets, okay? We just haven't gotten caught. I get, I I've been caught. I got caught. You got caught? <laughs> yeah, and I'm very sorry that I said it. You know, it's just, you know, getting caught up in this, you know, this racist theater of, you know, us versus them or them versus us. It's all bullshit, okay? We're all human beings. If you cut me and I cut you and I cut somebody else, we're all going to bleed red. We all experience right. pain, too. That's, uh, that is correct. And, uh, oh, boy, that Zoom and trial was big. There's so many cases in your state there, Florida. What was your take when uh, Casey Anthony was acquitted? Once again, the jury only was presented certain facts and evidence, okay? She's got to deal with, if she killed her kid, you know, it, you know, you justice. If you got a lot of money, you buy a lot of justice. Okay. <laughs> That's the bottom like line. That. You got money, you can buy justice. That's the way this country works. You think OJ was guilty? Absolutely, but the system worked for him too, until he got caught again. You know, I'm not saying more power to these people, but that's the way the system is is set up. You know, we don't live in, you know, this old Soviet Union. We don't live under, you know, tyranny where you don't get a trial. You go right to the guillotine, man. That's it, okay? You go right what to the guillotine. What do you take on with the Pakistan and all this, uh, with uh, Israel, with, with, with all this uh, fighting? Where do you stand on that? I'm um, definitely pro-Israel. I think they're some tough bastards <laughs> over there. And that they're oh, fighting. Yeah? yeah, they're tough, man. Look at them. Look at the size of them versus what's all around them. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, they before just, we let you go. Just, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, if somehow uh, some, some people from the uh, Mark family are listening, uh, what would you say to them? Well, you know, <laughs> crazy and Sabrina, um, uh, my sincerest apologies to you guys for hurting you, uh, going on national TV and saying the things I did. And I can only hope that you can forgive me. That's it. I think you'll be forgiven. Uh, excellent job, Frank. Uh, Look forward to having you on again, and uh, be well. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care, America. Bye. Take care.
here. And, of course, that was Frank Caffey. Uh, uh, he was covering the George Zimmerman case. We will have Dwayne Cates on next Wednesday to cover Jody Aris. Uh, we'll speak to you Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, thanks again to Frank Caffey. Uh, he did a great job. And uh, we will speak to you on Wednesday. Good night, everybody. <laughs>